Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Matt Perino here with Ryan Talbot. I am live inside Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida, where your Buffalo Bills just improved to one and one on the season. The 35 to nothing blowout defeat of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we got a lot to cover today. This is a shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. I'm going to bring Ryan Talbot into the show right now. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but let's start with your first takeaway here. I mean, we got a, you know, a, a ton of things to get into. I was talking to some people in the press box during the game. I was like, there's so much that happened, you know, even in the first half, it really made this game kind of drag on as we got into the second half, but a lot to break down. Uh, what was your main takeaway here? Main takeaway is this defense looks legit for the second straight week, run defense, pass defense, you name it. This looks like one of those top five, top three units in the NFL through two weeks. Definitely. We're going to get a lot into this defense. We're going to talk about what's going on with this offense. Uh, I'm going to probably go on a little bit of a rant here, uh, uh, dealing with some comments today. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Sarah Holland, she'll be joining us later on in the show. Whether you're celebrating at home or away, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Head over to Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store. With more. All right. Let's start off with Ryan. I can't remember now. This is my fourth year covering the team, but even going back thinking, you know, to teams of the past for the Bills, I can't remember a game where it was such a one sided affair, really on both sides of the ball throughout, where there was so much angst from the fan base. It, it seemed like the Bills go up 14 nothing early on. Their defense is really playing well. I know that the offense had a few hiccups. There were some drives that weren't, you know, the execution wasn't really where you probably want it to be. But overall, and all things considered, where this team was a week ago in a disappointing loss against Pittsburgh, I, you know, I thought that they played pretty well, but it seemed like nothing really was good enough until the end for Bills fans, for, for some Bills fans. Yeah. And listen, you know, I know you're going to go on a rant here and maybe the rant's going to be against me as well. Uh, I kind of understand where they're coming from. After two great drives to start the game, the bills go up 14 to nothing. It, it looks like all is well on the offense. Defense is playing lights out. But then for the rest of that first half, the offense just was not on the same page. Josh Allen was missing throws. Uh, the interception that he threw is behind Stefan Diggs. He had throws throughout this game that he's going to go back and say, boy, you know, I, I probably have a touchdown if I put a little more air under a ball to Stefan Diggs, but it's underthrown. There's three or four balls that I think could have been intercepted. Now, do the Dolphins have an outstanding secondary? Yeah, it's probably the, the strength of this team. But at the same time, Josh Allen's dominated against this Miami Dolphins team throughout his career. And it just wasn't a great performance by Allen for the second straight week. Just completed over 50% of his passes. So I get to a certain extent why there is some angst. But at the same time, the Bills did win 35 to nothing. One thing that gets lost, I think, even as much as Sean McDermott and some coaches around the NFL kind of spew it out there, 
is the nature of this league. It's unlike any other league. If you're a baseball fan or a basketball fan, a lot of times really good teams establish themselves with the way that they build their rosters. And those good teams tend to be the teams year in and year out. But what we see year in and year out in the NFL is great teams fall off. I mean, you go into a year and you expect certain things. I mean, even dial it back a year going into last year. I know Tom Brady was out of the mix, but there were still a lot of experts expecting the New England Patriots to, to run the AFC East. And I think that what you take what happened last year, right? 16 game sample size. Teams are going to adjust to that. Teams are going to game plan for that Bills offense. We've seen things work against this Bills offense now. So it's not always going to be high level production from this offense. Now, with that said, I'm just I'm not talking about what you're saying, like the 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 level of concern for what we've seen from this Bills offense. That's that's perfectly fine. I'm talking about the irrational overreactions, the you know, the Bills should have never given Josh Allen a contract. Get Brian Dable out of here. I, I think a lot of people don't deal in in that crowd, and so they're not actively communicating with those people, but you know, it's out there and you're seeing it spewed quite a bit. And I I, I just think that that's a, a gross overreaction to what we've seen so far. I think this is an offense, Josh Allen said it today, that's still trying to figure out what it likes, what plays it likes with the way that teams have adjusted to playing them. We're seeing it. Two things the first two games of the season. Number one, they're playing really good defenses with really elite secondaries. I'm pretty sure I got to go back and look at it. Byron Jones got hurt in that first game in Miami last year. Well, guess what? He wasn't hurt today. He was making big-time plays, making it hard in the secondary. Stephon Diggs versus Xavier Howard, worth the price of admission. We're going to talk about that later in the show. This was just a game where this offense, yeah, it, it, it's still kind of figuring it out. But while they're figuring it out, there's so many good things to take away from this game. I, I, I think the Bills fans should be in a more celebratory mood, but I understand the concern, and concern is okay. I just think the overreactions is where I wanted to rant on a little bit. No, and, and that's more than fair. Listen, uh, I think Bills fans came in with some Super Bowl expectations this year. You drop week one matchup to a Pittsburgh Steelers team that dropped a game this week to the Las Vegas Raiders. And you're wondering how good is this team? But you're right. It's been two elite defenses. The Bills are going to get another one here soon, at least uh, some key players on that Washington defense chase young that uh, looks like he's going to be one of the best, the best in the league here soon. But the, the secondary there in Washington was letting, we're letting a lot of guys go open this past Thursday night. So maybe this will be this week three matchup at home will be a get right game for Josh Allen for this passing attack where they look like they're more on the same page for all four quarters. You know, we're going to get into this game pack, unpack it all for you guys. And I want to start on the defensive side of the ball because Last last week, I felt like, you know, a lot of the talk was around how the defensive line came out, played pretty well at the start. A lot of people felt that that pass rush faded in the second half. There was no fading today, Ryan. Six sacks for this defensive front. Leslie Frazier was aggressive. He was blitzing. Let's start with the young pass rushers. Gregory Rousseau, in his return to Miami, Florida, two sacks today. But honestly, I'd argue that the more impressive performance, and maybe it doesn't show up on the stat sheet as much, A.J. Epinesa, two quarterback hits, knocking Tua Tagovailoa out of the game in the first quarter on the third series of the game. Three sacks in the first two series. It was an unbelievable performance by this front. And I think AJ Epinesa, Epinesa today, he kind of announced his arrival as a, a, a pass rusher to watch now here in the second season. Yeah, I agree completely. Listen, last week, the Bills went against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that had Ben Roethlisberger, who got the ball out of his hand quicker than any quarterback in the NFL. We said going into this game, two is going to hold the ball a little bit longer. And sure enough, he did. The Bills come out. They're aggressive. Taron Johnson gets an opening sack. But throughout that, the four quarters, whether it was Tua back there, whether it was Jacoby Brissett, it felt like A.J. Epineza was all over the place. He was coming in, getting pressures, getting those really close would-be sacks where he's on someone's back and, and then they kind of wiggle away, but it turns into a sack for someone else. So, you know, you're right. Epineza, it's, it's one of those deceiving stat lines. When you look at it, you'd be like, oh, boy, it really felt like he was making play after play. But when you look at his stat line, it's not there. It's kind of like what we've said about Star Latule for over the years. You don't see it in the stat line. Epineza 
was everywhere. He was getting other guys on this defensive line sacks. He was making life miserable for the quarterbacks. He obviously not to out of the game in the first quarter, like you mentioned, but he also caused an errant throw on that play that caused a turnover on down. So he did a lot of things that, like you said, doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but he was unbelievable. Greg Rousseau, two sacks in his return to Miami. Uh, a nice, really good, feel-good story for the kid. And listen, this is what we've been talking about all offseason, Matt. It's why the Bills invested so much in, in their defensive end position. You have Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, both players who performed well in their own regard, but they're in the final year of their contract, and you want these young guys to step up and play well, and both of them here in Week 2 showed you a glimpse of what this Bills pass rush might look like in heavy doses starting in 2022. Greg Rousseau is such an interesting case study here because this is a guy that I feel like a couple uh, months ago, as we were talking about like the, you know, the draft uh, experts and what they really believe that he can be at this level. One of the things that I kept reading in scouting reports was that he almost kinds of runs himself into sacks with the way that he kind of hangs around a play. He's kind of a really sneaky player in the way that he kind of, you know, lulls you to sleep sometimes. I feel like he's the perfect fit for what they try to do. You know, Eric Washington always harps on rushing as a four-man unified front. There's got to be, you know, great understanding amongst members of the line so that they know, listen, I'm going to do this. You need to do that. We And we have to work off of each other. And I th- feel like... If you don't have a solid, you know, feel for the game and what they want you to do, it's it's harder to execute that. I think that Gregory Rousseau, not only as a pass rusher, but his ability at the line of scrimmage as in run defense has been has really stood out to me as well. He's got long long arms. He makes tackles when he does hit somebody. If he does get his hands on somebody, he usually doesn't let him go. And that's such a valuable trait. And I think it's why they trust him so much so early. Yeah, absolutely. He was great in, in run defense today. He And he had almost, he probably could have had three or four sacks when all is said and done. There was one where he just missed Brissett, where Brissett kind of jumped out of the would-be sack. So it wasn't just him kind of like falling into sacks today by any means. But yeah, there was some help on a few of them where pressure uh, kind of forced him that way. So he looked great. Epineza looked great. You have to feel really good about these young pass rushers. You saw Jerry Hughes get pressure. Mario Addison early in the game showed some really good bursts closing in on on two on a play where he was rolling uh, uh, rolling backwards. So again, this is what the Bills really needed to do to close the gap and to kind of complete this defense. We need to upgrade the pass rushes. Is was their philosophy? They did it in the draft. They did it in free agency. Although one of the draft picks, Boogie Basham, was inactive. FA Obata inactive via free agency signing who uh, suffered an injury late in the week, but they still got it done with the players that they had. So. Definitely a very promising sign for this young pass rush. Harrison Phillips, a healthy scratch today, which I think surprised some people. I think that they're at a place right now where they have a lot of trust for Vernon Butler. Going back to Carolina, Eric Washington has it as a two-phase player. Like, you know, what he's able to do as a pass rusher, but also what he's able to do when they need to move him move him around. He's been Star Latulale's understudy before. And so I think that it's easy for them to kind of fall back into that. And Harrison was just a little bit of, it was a numbers game today. I think they like what Justin Zimmer brings as a pass rusher. We saw it out there today. He had the sack in the game. And I think that's going to be something to watch moving forward. Harrison Phillips is going to, you know, I thought he played well uh, last week in the first half, but maybe some of what we saw in the second half was the Bills feeling like, you know, they needed more from that interior group. But I thought that that defensive front, Ed Oliver continues to play pretty well. You know, the Bills are playing at a high level defensively. Oh, without a doubt. And like you said, Harrison Phillips this week was the odd man out, just like Zach Moss was one week ago at the running back position. It's a numbers game. They have talent and depth at these positions like defensive tackle, like running back. And you mentioned it. Justin Zimmer had a sack today. Uh, he had, he ended up getting penalized for roughing the passer or unnecessary roughness, which I didn't agree with. But he was he was a disruptive force as well. He made some plays, so he made the most of his opportunity. They liked Vernon Butler for for a reason in there instead of Harrison Phillips. So th- there's a rhyme or reason for the, the moves that they make here. It's just that uh, some of these players are going to have to be patient and, and realize that unless there's an injury or on a given week, what's happening, you know, you, you have to kind of wait your turn, so to speak. Question here from Mark Robbins. Do you think that Obata being out made Butler more important than Phillips? I don't know. I, I I honestly think that Phillips, Ryan, you can chime in on this. I think that Phillips, Butler, Zimmer, they kind of all fi- fall into the same bucket. I think that at times at, we've seen him in Phillips' career, 
he's been just as good in that three tech role as he has in that one tech role. So I think it's more about the trust factor that they have in Butler. And I think it's just comes down to what they want. This is a situation out here today. I'm telling you right now, Ryan, it was sweltering today. I did 30 minutes on the pregame show and I couldn't wait to get up to the press box, get the polo shirt on, get the, the dress flower shirt on. I had to step up my game. We're in Miami after all. But it was hot out there today. And I think that Phillips, you know, as a guy, he put on a ton of weight this offseason and, and they just wanted to be, I think, a little bit leaner, a little bit quicker. And I think Justin Zimmer gives him that. Oh, without a doubt. And he brings a little bit more athleticism to the unit. Yeah. The the Bills obviously went into this game saying you, you had to have some, you know, drink so much water, take so much Pedialyte, stay hydrated. And, and the, those bigger players like Harrison Phillips, they're more likely to get cramped up to uh, play limited snaps. So I'm sure that did play a role into it. And, and you know, I saw that you were mentioning how hot it was. Tim Graham on the pregame show, a lot of the media members were commenting on just how hot it was out there today. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense this week with the decision that they made on a week by week basis, though, someone else could be the person that's inactive, whether it's Zimmer, whether it's Vernon Butler, who did uh, jump offside at one point today for Buffalo's defense. You just never know. They're going to go in game by game, look at the matchups and go with who they think is, is the better matchup at, on a position by position basis. I had an idea that we can kind of rank maybe our top three or four defensive performers today because the defense was so good. And there's so much love to kind of spread around there with the, these performances. So I'll start with you, Ryan. Who did you have as your number one ranked Buffalo Bills performer today on that defense? Yeah, I think we were on the same page here. I went with Taron Johnson. I referred to him almost as uh, the defensive MVP of the game. A few passes defense. He would have blown up fourth, one of the fourth down plays, had the ball been caught. He was there. He had the sack early in the game to kind of set the tone. Uh, big matchup. Listen, you know, Jalen Waddle made some plays for the, for the Dolphins today, and a lot of that was out of the slot. But I thought Taron Johnson had an unbelievable game. He showed up in, in run support. He showed up getting after the quarterback, and he made multiple plays in, in in terms of pass defense as well. So I'm right there with you with Taron Johnson. Uh, I got into the post-game press conference and you know, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde were the first ones up. And, you know, about halfway through, you know, I, I went to go ask him a question about Taron because he just, he jumped off today, right? I mean, two tackles for a loss, the forced fumble. I mean, the hit stick was just un, unbelievable on this guy today. And I, so I said, I said, Taron Johnson. And before I could even get the question out, Poyer goes, he just cuts me off. And he's like, Taryn's a dog. That dude is a dog. It got real serious real quick. Micah Hyde chimed in. He said, he's the best nickel in the league. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, I didn't have to ask. I didn't have to set it up. I didn't have to ask a question. They're ready to go. And and I'm going to read you the, the rest of Jordan, what Jordan Poyer said. He said, pound for pound, just the best nickel in the league. This dude just comes to work every single day, just believing that he's the best. He went out there to me. It was amazing watching him play today. You don't even got to finish the sentence. The question, just the way he played today was incredible. Incredible. When you, you got two guys in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, who've, who've been around the block a few times in this league. They've seen a lot of things. Uh, there's not a lot of things at this stage that really stand out and impress them Could get them to talk about it like that. I've asked them, maybe a hundred questions over the last four years and haven't gotten that kind of passion behind a response. This is a guy to me, Ryan, that's taking that next step. You know, we talked going into the season, who's going to be the guy on that defense that takes the next step. And, you know, I talk about Tremaine Edmonds. I talk about Ed Oliver. Maybe we missed the boat. Maybe it's Taron Johnson turning into an elite superstar Nickelback who literally went through the ups and downs last season getting benched during the regular season, coming back, having a huge pick six against Pittsburgh. Then again, in the playoffs, the iconic pick six, pick six against the Baltimore. And what happened in that Kansas city chiefs game, another downer, that defensive secondary was absolutely beat up in that game. The way that Kansas city's offense was able to make plays the way that he's responded, the way that he's come out and put two performances on tape back to back like this, Taron Johnson, man, this is superstar quality play from their nickel cornerback. Yeah, he got off to a slow start last year. He has hit some struggles. He got benched, like you mentioned. Then in the second half of the season, he was pretty good, pretty solid. Made some uh, game-changing plays in the regular season, obviously, in the playoffs. And he's kind of picked up from that second uh, half of the season performance. So for whatever reasons, maybe it's just uh, 
really knowing the ins and outs of this defense. He's been here for quite a few years now, having confidence in his game, knowing that the help that's behind him, just maybe feeling like at this point, he really is the best nickel in the game. Whatever the reason is, he was all over the field today. He made a ton of plays. He's doing it at the right time as he's in a contract year as well. So whether it's in Buffalo or elsewhere, he's putting out some great game tape here through two weeks. All right. So I'll give my number two and my number three, and then I'll let, I'll I'll turn it over you to get, get to yours. I thought that uh, number two to me, I I really wanted to go with one of the pass rushers, but you know, who was so good today that it's really hard to ignore how good he's been so far this year. Matt Milano, man, Mm -hmm. he again came out today. Leslie Frazier, we mentioned at the top of the show, very aggressive approach, blitzing both linebackers, all of his, his cornerbacks and his safeties. I think Micah Hyde had a sack. Taron had a sack. I think um, Levi Wallace might have been on and on one. I can't remember. But Milano, like just his quickness to the ball, dealing with an ankle injury this week. He sat out on Tuesday. He came back today, had an outstanding performance, was a big reason why this Bills defense was able to do what it did today. And, you know, looking at the stats right now, five tackles, a sack, two quarterback hits, two tackles for a loss. He recovered the big-time fumble caused by Taron Johnson. Matt Milano earning every penny of that 11 million he's making this year. Yeah. And listen, you know, it's funny. We talked on Wednesday, how there were some eye rolls from the fan base with the ankle injury dealing with this and the other. Well, he he didn't look like he was dealing with anything today. He was all over the field. He was being used as the blitzer. He was great in run support, great in coverage. You name it. This guy did it. And like you said, earning every penny of this new deal, the bills knew how important he was uh, to this defense. And, And listen, linebackers in today's NFL, you don't want to go overpaying them. He took a little bit of a discount to return to the Bills because he knew that this team was on the cusp of something special last year. And so far through two weeks, he's looking like uh, the real deal. He's benefiting from the play up front, the play in the secondary. But Buffalo's linebacking uh, core, I think, has looked really good through two weeks as well, even without Tremaine Edmonds on the field for much of the second half of this game due to cramping. From hot-to-go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, to delicious salads, brownie trays, Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Head over to Tops today. Get yourself set up. If you're having any party, watching some Sunday night football, Monday night football, get after it. Head over to Tops uh, Friendly Markets. All right, Ryan, let's um get let's get to number three. Number three for me is AJ Epineza. I know he didn't show up in the stat line, but the the pressures were there. The quarterback hits were there. Uh, his play benefited the Bills in terms of other players getting sacks. Obviously, turnover on downs on that hit on Tua that knocked him out of the game. So he, he did a lot of really good things after kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say he was invisible in week one against the, uh, the, the Steelers, but he didn't have as many opportunities because of how quickly that ball was getting out. He really showed today that that lower weight, how much of a difference maker he can be using his speed and power. I had uh, Apinesas as well. And then I had, if I had to go with a fourth, I probably would have gone Greg Rousseau, but for the interest of someone else, let's give it to Dane action, Jackson, mm-hmm. Elliot Eisler. I- I'm going to give him kind of like, I'm going to let him in Levi Wallace here. I thought Levi Wallace, you know, responded again. Like he usually does comes out in the first quarter, sets the tone, big pass breakup comes, gets the penalty, the, uh, the taunting penalties, man, the NFL, the no fun league is at it again, really, uh, responds a couple plays later. It might've even been the next play. I can't remember now. Um, interception off of Jacoby Brissett, huge play in the game. The dolphins are driving in the bill into bills territory. They score a touchdown there. Who knows what the game turns into with the way that the offense struggled the rest of the half there. So huge play by Levi Wallace. But again, Dane Jackson, I love he's like that. Like, I don't want to call him a closer, but he's like that elite bullpen ace that a lot of teams have good teams have in baseball. And I I hate to use the baseball reference because in the postgame press conference that Brown tried to use one with Sean McDermott. He said, I don't don't know. I'm not a baseball guy. I guess, you know, that set it up like, you know. Brandon Bean said that, you know, you, you want to maintain your fastball and that's why you, you signed Emmanuel Sanders. Well, did you show today with the way that you ran the ball that you got some off speed stuff and Sean looked like he was seeing like three heads. He was like, <laughs> I'm not really a baseball guy. And so I, I appreciate the not getting the reference. So I apologize for that. But Dane Jackson comes in cold off the bench, plays a really good football game, three quarters that he put in, helped this defense on the back end and then made it absolutely Huge play on a fourth down and two. Justin Zimmer caused some chaos in the middle. He comes up from the side, makes the tap tackle to stop the ball carrier. Bills get the ball back, force a turnover. 
you know, Dane Jackson today reminded everybody of the guy that we saw last year after a pretty, I don't want to say disappointing, but, you know, a, a, a training camp preseason where he wasn't able to do enough to even, you know, place himself in the competition to win that job. He comes out today and shows why the Bills view him as so valuable. Yeah, listen, Dane Jackson was just kind of ho hum this summer. He, he, you know, he was there. He, he did a few nice things, but nothing that ever really jumped off the page. But he's just one of those guys that when he gets called into action, when his number is called, he makes a play. And not only did he stop that fourth and two run, he was the last man between the end zone for for that play. So one, he he made the stop obviously to cause the turnover on downs. But ha- had they even picked up uh, or gotten by him, that would have been a seven point score for for the Dolphins. It would have really kind of closed the gap on the game there. So a uh, huge play by Dane Jackson going back to Levi Wallace, uh, the starting number two cornerback for this game, makes a huge stop on on second and long, talks a little bit draws the flag and listen, I get it. If you're a bills fan and you're frustrated by it, but the NFL has come out and said, we're really going to cut down on it this year. We're going to call it taunting when we see it. I don't agree with it necessarily. I mean, this is an emotional game. Players have every right to kind of be emotional in that regard, but he drew the flag. And then a few plays later, he showed that savviness where he peeled off of his guy because he, he watched the quarterback and he saw the throw going to Gusecki cut off his guy, jumps the route, gets that interception, just one of those smart, smart plays that you knew the talents there for Levi. You know that he can make some plays, but that was just one of those plays that kind of remind me of something that Tredavious White has done in years past, where he peels off his guy, jumps the route. That's exactly what Levi did early in the game to kind of redeem himself just a few plays uh, after he had that uh, penalty called on him. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You know, this was a day that I think you want to get in there and talk to Josh Allen about what happened today. This was a game where the Bills had, again, for the second straight week, 300, over 300 yards of offense. Now, the difference this week is what Sean McDermott pointed out during the week. This isn't a, a, a yards-based league. This is a points-based league. You know, points win games. Today, they scored 35 of them. Three of their four drives in the second half ended in touchdowns. They leaned on their running game today, which we're going to talk about in a bit. But just concerning Josh, you know, let's break down his game a little bit. I think one of the big problems that he's dealing with right now is teams figuring out he's got some issues up front. I mean, the Bills are struggling to block at the point of attack right now. I think Deion Dawkins played a better game, but he'd even tell you, and he did that in the postgame press conference. He's got a ways to go. I thought John Feliciano really was a lot better today. And, uh, but on the other side, Daryl Williams still, Ryan, there was a couple plays. I think there was one sack where Daryl Williams just got absolutely beat with a speed move to the outside. That can't happen. So there's a bit of Josh Allen, I think, being unsettled. You know, you add in the factor of, you know, crowds being back. And, and I think that there, I don't know how much of a role that that plays, but I think it's, it's definitely something. And then I just don't think that they're necessarily in tune yet. Josh talked in the post game about, you know, two things. Number one, they installed a lot of plays yesterday, which I think fans kind of saw me tweet that out. And we're like, wait a second. Like, why are they installing plans? Well, I had a couple conversations, you know, with some people that I, you know, trust former players. That happens all the way up until game day. A lot of times, sometimes in the game, they add plays and they adjust. I mean, we talked about it during the week. Emmanuel Sanders in his playbook, 34 year old Super Bowl winner, you know, a game into the season. He's still deep into his playbook, making sure he knows everything that they have in that installed in there. So they're ready to pull from it when they when they find a matchup that they want to exploit. And so I think it comes down to this offense as a whole. Brian Dable still trying to get a get a feel for how he wants to unleash this this blueprint and there's just not enough execution is one thing but i just don't think that they 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 seem 100% solidified as a group all the groups coaching staffs to players in the plan and how they're going to execute the plan I think that's very fair. Listen, starting up front, uh, you mentioned John Feliciano, huge bounce back game. You talked to him earlier this week. Uh, he sprung Zach Moss and Devin Singletary on their touchdown runs or, you know, one of each of their touchdown runs. I know Moss ended up with two. So really nice game there. Deion Dawkins wasn't at his best today, but was significantly better than he was one week ago. Uh, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, both had solid games. I know Ford was penalized this week, uh, but I thought he was pretty good. And then Daryl Williams, there's there's an issue there. There's something going on there where he, he's been beat two consecutive weeks now, uh, not looking like the same guy that uh, 
did so well one year ago, but it's still early. You got to kind of wait and see what happens there. But Josh himself, yeah, Josh is missing some throws that last year he was making. He had Stefan Diggs down the field and he underthrew the ball and it was almost intercepted. Had he led him a little bit more, it could have gone for six. The interception that he threw was behind Stefan Diggs and it allowed Xavier Howard to make a play on the ball. Uh, just some, you know, overthrowing some players. I, I remember one play with Devin Singletary running along the sidelines and he just overshot the target. His accuracy is a little bit off right now through two weeks. He, he's still trying to maybe figure out how much air he's supposed to put on balls. Maybe he's putting too much on some, not enough on others. It, it's something that will come with time. He's gone against two really good defenses, uh, both teams that had good secondaries. So that's something that factors into it. Let's wait a quarter of the season, maybe five or six games, see where the Bills are at, see where Allen's at. But yes, it, it's okay to sit here and say he's not playing his best ball because he's not. He completed just over uh, 51% of his passes in, in this game, but the Bills still found a way to win. They still found a way to score three touchdowns in the second half of this game. Uh, never gave Miami a chance to kind of get back into it. Now, mind you, a lot of that has to do with the defense as well, but the Bills sustained drives when they mattered late in these games, whether it was with Josh or with this uh, running back duo out of the backfield. The Bills were four for four in the red zone, four for four goal to go, one for one on fourth down and seven for 13 on third down in this game. 21 first downs to only 13 for the Dolphins. And it was the rushing attack, 10 first down rushing it uh rushing attempts in this game those are some building blocks when you feel like when you're talking about an offense that hasn't really hit its stride yet and there's not a confidence level whether it be with the game plan or what plays are going to work that's another thing you know stefan Diggs said this week about getting back in the lab and working harder and i think one of the first thing that you think about is like your individual training, your individual work, but it's also about getting in the lab with your teammates and figuring out, listen, football is a complicated game with 11 players in the field. How many times have we seen like the Patriots come out during the Tom Brady era era when it wasn't really good right away? And it took some time to develop some of that chemistry, even for a guy like Gronkowski or Edelman, who Brady was with for years. I went back and looked at the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks start from last year. And this was a team that I think pretty consistently got, had a, a good defense. Like, you know, I think the bills have the, the, the beginning stages. Well, I, I don't want to jinx them, I guess for fans purposes, but they have a defense that now if they're going to bring this kind of pressure and affect opposing teams, quarterbacks, turn the ball over like this, the talent that we know that they have in that back seven, that they can all of a sudden be, a dynamic top tier defense in this league. If you have that and you can figure it out on offense and become a top 10 offense, which I still think that this, this team has the horses to do. It's just about getting back to basics, adjusting to the adjustments. And I think things only kind of get easier, Ryan next week. It's Washington. I think Houston is going to have their come to Jesus moment. I know that they've had a really great start to the season. I didn't see how today's game ended, but I know that they were really doing well for a while. I think that that's going to be a really tough environment for them playing in week four. And then it's, you know, week five. And then you got, you're talking about the games that the bugaboo for the bills last year. And I think that will be the true test by then. You'll have more than a month in a more than a month's worth of games to get right. And we'll kind of see where this offense is. I'm really eyeing that Brian Dable versus Steve Spagnola matchup. When we get to see it, I believe it's in week six. That's going to tell us a lot about what this offense can be because that's the team and that's the style of defense that they're going to have to beat to get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, you, you raised some, several great points there. Just real quick on the Texans, uh, Tyrod Taylor was injured at one point, so then they had to go to Davis Mills, and then things got really ugly for him. But they're, they're, they look more competitive than it definitely I expected to through uh, – two games so far with their starting offense. But yeah, this is still a figuring it out type process. And, and listen, you mentioned it, Matt. The Bills ran the ball 10 times on first down. They, they leaned on the run today. Now when Washington goes to the tape, when the Texans go to the tape, Kansas City, Tennessee, all these teams that are up on the horizon, they're going to say, okay, the, the Bills are, are leaning a little bit more on the run than they did one year ago. That's going to help the run game to a certain extent, because there might still be some skepticism, but it's going to really help the passing game from the play action pass perspective. Uh, that is where Josh Allen really thrived last year. But I think at a certain point in time later in the year, teams are like, okay, well, they're running the play action, but they never hand it off. Well, if you run the ball this much and you're somewhat effective with it, that's when the play action be becomes really dangerous. So 
the blocking obviously has to get a little bit better when you do play action because that takes some additional time to get the play in motion. But th- there's little things here that you can build on the success of Devin Singletary in back-to-back weeks, the way that Zach Moss bounced back after fumbling the ball early in the game, failing to convert a third and one, and and to what he did later in that game. So there's little things there, and when you get the run game going, it opens things up for Josh and these weapons in the passing game. You still haven't seen them use Isaiah McKenzie much, probably because of the whole shoulder issue. He's out there, but he's not being used in motion, getting those jet sweeps a lot. Um, So a lot of little wrinkles they haven't even thrown in yet, and that's going to happen once they start getting into a groove. So give this offense time. The defense has done their job for two weeks, keeping the bills in both games. But I I think the offense ultimately will catch up. Charles G asks, do you think Josh is capable of putting the team on his back like he did last year? Does he need more help from the defense running game, et cetera? I mean, it kind of comes down to a couple things. Number one, defense is too, Ryan, like, we're much more prepared for week one this year. Like I I think that we're seeing that with just the bills ability to play defense early on in the season, the continuity there, how seamlessly they're playing the communication level where it's at guys playing together, guys getting to the ball, the physicality. I've been really impressed with just the defensive play across the board that I've watched the first two weeks of football. So I think that there's going to be an adjustment period to that, you know, sugar high, Josh, it's a real thing. It's a thing for a reason. And I think it's something that he's got to, you know, try to figure out. And that's something that we're going to chronicle as the year goes on. And, you know, he's going to have plenty of big moments to figure it out. I still go back to some of those games though, last year when, you know, he had some of his best performances. I mean, that Denver game to me against a Vic Fangio defense was significant. That was something that stood out to me. His performance against the Colts. If you really go back in the playoff game, you know, they put up 27 on the Colts. He threw for over 300 yards. I mean, that was a game against the defense that was flying around. That was playing really good tight man coverage, making things hard on the receivers. It was almost like the beginning stages of what we've seen teams start to do to this offense. So I think it's, it comes down to also, you know, we, we spent so much time talking about the tight end position in the off season. Dawson Knox might be turning a corner quietly here, Ryan, you know, big touchdown catch today. It was a hard one. He was really reliable last, last week with the four catches. Everything so far has come up aces when Dawson Knox has been targeting his offense. Maybe that's an area where teams that might not be expecting you to feature a guy like Dawson Knox, where the, you know, J- Josh Allen can start to get easy uh, completions on early downs set themselves up to kind of sustain drives. Cause that's one of the big things that they did so well last year was they sustained drives and they got to do that more consistently, especially next week against the tough Washington front. Yeah. Dawson Knox, believe it or not, has been Mr. Reliable for this team. He's been hauling in most of his targets. That was one of Josh's better throws. That touchdown pass was a shorter throw, but the placement on it, uh, how he threw it, where only Knox could really get it. Knox still made a nice catch uh, play on it as well. And, And there was one play where Knox did not haul in his target, but that was more of an errant throw by Josh Allen. He threw it off his back foot, kind of falling away. And Knox had to play defense on it. And he even did a good job there by not allowing uh, the member of the Dolphins secondary to come down with an, I can't remember if it was Byron Jones or who it was at that point in time, but he kind of got up there and kind of tipped the ball away from him. So even when there haven't been good passes, he's had the wherewithal to make sure that the defense couldn't come away with it. So Knox has been really good. You mentioned it. This offseason is night and day compared to last year's. Remember, everything was done over Zoom one year ago. Uh, you weren't on the practice field much. You had camp. You kind of got thrown into it. So offenses were ahead of defenses. There was a lack of cohesiveness. And now you have a, a typical offseason. Everyone's getting the, the film, the tape. They're looking at what the Bills did one year ago. So the defenses are coming out hot. They're coming out and playing good football and kind of matching up with the Bills. Even the Dolphins. I know it sounds funny saying the Dolphins uh, played well because they lost 35 to nothing. But I thought their coverage for much of the game was solid in terms of their coverage overall. Uh, they had a man, uh, There was a play to Emmanuel Sanders in the end zone where uh, they closed the gap on that play and broke it up. There was the play, like I mentioned, was underthrown, but the cornerbacks the made several plays along the sidelines, batting things away, knocking balls away. So the coverage has been there more than it was one year ago. 
this offense, give it time, give it some patience, but the defense itself in Buffalo is looking like one of those units that can carry it. But going back to the question that was asked to us, Matt, I don't think any one player can carry a team on its back for an entire season. Uh, look at a Patrick Mahomes. He's, you know, obviously the big reason why the Chiefs have been so successful over the last few years. But look what happened to him in the Super Bowl when the line broke down, when the defense got to him. Even a guy like Mahomes, who's been in the back-to-back Super Bowls, had no answers in that in that game. So. Josh Allen needs help from the defense. He needs some help from the run game, from his receivers. I'm just not sure in today's NFL, one player can can kind of carry the load all the way through the regular season and playoffs. One thing I saw in the comments was about, uh, I think it was over on Twitter, about the design, the, the script coming out of halftime. One of the things that I tweeted about uh, at the end of the half as the Bills offense was really just stuck in mud. And I said, this is going to be interesting to see what they learn from this first half and the game script that Brian Dable can put it put together to come out at halftime. And you know, this is something that I think going back to last season, Brian Dable's done a really good job on. I mean, a lot of people piling on him early on the season. I think you got to point out some credit for the way that he dialed things up, got the ball out of Josh Allen's hands quickly, was able to kind of get some receivers open in space. I thought that ball to Cole Beasley, those 22 yarders to a, a, a small guy like Cole Beasley over the middle, they're, they're just backbreakers for a defense. I mean, you saw the Miami defense wilt in that moment. He goes to Sanders for the 13-yard completion, incompletion, then almost a calamity in Devin Singletary fumbling that ball, uh, incompletion on the next play, Singletary rush, and then on a third and six, Josh Allen goes to Stephon Diggs for a very underrated seven-yard gain to pick up a first down. Those are big plays that we don't focus too much on after the fact, but that sets up on the very next play, the eight-yard touchdown pass, to Dawson Knox. So at the very least, the good news here, you're not going to play many games with an office offense as inept as the Miami Dolphins were today. Ryan's offense stinks. Like they got some players. I know Will Fuller's out and you hope for the best for him. I know he's dealing with some personal issues, whatever that is. They got Devonte Parker. They got Jalen Waddle, who I, who I think is, you know, I, I might've been wrong on him. I think he could be a real dynamic player. He's got to be, did he have a drop for two today? Was that Waddle at all? He, he had yeah. one that was thrown uh, toward the sideline. It was a little behind him. He should have hauled that in. He obviously had the muff punt as well. But yeah, he he definitely looked a part of a playmaker for them today in terms of looking at that overall receiving core uh, and, and the corpse there at uh, wide receiver and tight end. Obviously, Gusecki's had success over with the Bills in his career at times, Devontae Parker. But I thought today Waddle was definitely the big winner. Yeah, and I just think that their offense, whether it's Brissett, whether it's Tua, and first of all, Oh man, I I, I think uh, Tua may not be it. <laughs> and I, I think this was something that we were talking about going into the season. He was able to kind of keep his head above water, but I just, when I watch him play, I just feel like I'm watching somebody that doesn't know how to swim, just drown in a pool when he goes up against a really good defense. It's what we saw in week 17 last year and nothing about those first three series were any better today. And obviously you hate to see him go down and you you wonder what the extent of the rib injuries are and what, what kind of time will tell. But I thought that this offense, listen, they're not going to play many offenses that are this bad. So you go into a future game with your offense struggling a little bit like that, you know, how that game goes, anybody's the guess. I mean, Patrick Mahomes could hang 30 points on this defense. He's done it before. But I think that the way that they're, they won today is something that they can build upon. And I want to get into um, a couple of things. We're going to bring in, uh, Sarah Holland now to the show. She's got a couple of things. She's been in the uh, the chat. How are you, Miss Sarah? How are you this evening? I'm good. How are you guys? We are wonderful. Covering a football game. Not too many things better to do with a Sunday on a Sunday afternoon. All right. What do you got for us? So I just saw that Zach Moss actually put on Twitter that unfortunately his aunt passed away and he had to help bury her um, just a day before this game. And he had mentioned that, you know, he had fumbled the ball and then he turned his game around and helped uh, win the game with two touchdowns. And he had mentioned in the tweet also that uh, he said something like life is all about the ups and downs and it matters how you respond to those challenges. I think sort of alluding to game one um, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you guys think about Zach Moss in today's game? So it kind of caught me off guard. I kind of stumbled through my question a little bit because, you know, nobody hit knew anything about that. And so when he started his press conference today and he kind of let everybody in on what he's been dealing with, it was jarring. And you know, the, the you could see the the emotion on his face a little bit and to play 
under those circumstances, I mean, we've seen great games, performances in the NFL. I mean, when Brett Favre lost his dad and, you know, played on Monday Night Football and you, you rally around people that are going through those kinds of personal things. And you could see it really on Zach's face today. So he, you know, it was a 24 hour thing. Like, you know, not only is he dealing last week with, you know, being inactive week one, he comes back week two and, you know, really goes through something. He was at the ceremony yesterday. So he was able to kind of spend some time with some family before turning his attention to the game. And he kind of embraced the game. He said, he said, you know, when you're dealing with stuff like that, you, you, you want to get away. You want to, uh, something that's going to kind of take your mind off of things. He went out here today and he wanted to make some plays. And the first time he touched the ball, I think it was the first time he touched the ball. If not one of the first few big time fumble, um, and, and that's put him in the doghouse in the past, Ryan, those kinds of plays. And he said, he turned to Deion Dawkins on the sideline and he said, next time I go in there, I'm making an impactful play. Get me the ball. I'm making an impactful play. And I thought that that run, that touchdown run today was maybe the start of something for Zach Moss, because that was to me the most inspiring run I've seen that him, him have him really deliver a blow to a would-be tackler. Some of that physical physicality that was advertised when they drafted him gets in, scores the touchdown. And he said he, he said he really pushed hard for it because he knew that on the next play, they'd probably go back to a pass and he'd have to go back to blocking instead of trying to score a touchdown. So had some fun with it there, but unbelievable performance to kind of go through a setback, respond to it for Zach Moss. And, and I think it's important as he tries to, you know, keep pace with Singletary in this backfield, considering Devin, had a huge game today. Uh, obviously, he had a fumble. They didn't lose it, but uh, he did fumble. Big 46-yard opening game. Yeah, I mean, listen, both backs performed well. Both fumbled the ball once. Uh, Singletary had two fumbles last week as well. So keeping possession of the ball is going to be something to keep an eye on going forward because you mentioned it, Matt. We've seen in the past where fumbles will get a guy off the field for a while. Last year against the 49ers, Moss fumbles coming out of the end zone. I think he's uh, out for two quarters after that, and he comes back in the third quarter. Fumbles early in this game. I think he had one carry for a short game, then he catches the ball and fumbles. His next opportunity is a third and short, and he fails to convert it. So it's like, oh boy, you know, back-to-back opportunities where he's kind of failed in those things. But he bounced back. He bounced back from being inactive one week ago. And when he's on the field, he scores two touchdowns. First one, John Feliciano springs him out there a little bit, and he does enough to get into the end zone. You mentioned the second touchdown where he took that hit in the hole, and he kind of bounced back a little bit, kept his feet moving, though. And next thing you know, he got over the goal line. So Two touchdowns scored by Moss, uh, keeping pace with Singletary in terms of showing what he can do, showing that he's an asset to this team. And, and as the Bills get more and more guys back and healthy, you know, especially when they feel confident about Isaiah McKenzie's shoulder, it might, it's probably going to be Matt Breida that might be the odd man out on a week-by-week basis. If Moss keeps performing like this, if Singletary keeps performing well, there might not be enough room to have all of those backs active. And right now, Moss has shown that, hey, you, you need me out here. I can kind of punch it in those tougher situations. Situations. All right, Sarah, what was uh, you had something else you put out a story right before we went live? Yes, I did. It was actually an interesting stat about Jacoby Brissett. The last time the Bills shut out a team was actually in 2016 against um, the Patriots. Um, and they were actually led by Jacoby Brissett at the time because Tom Brady was actually suspended. And we know when Jacoby came in for um, Tua. He obviously started off a little bit. Um, it was a brutal start for him, to say the least. You know, his first three series um, ended it ended with a three and out and then the interception by Levi Wallace and then a fumble. So um, I just wanted to ask you guys, you know, your opinions on um, the play of Jacoby after he came in after Tua. So, you know, when it came to Brissett, I, I know he, he didn't put up any points. I thought after a rough start, he did start to manage the offense uh, pretty decently. I think he looked better than that short stint from what we saw from Tua. Now, mind you, again, they didn't put up any points, but there were some brutal drops by those receivers. Uh, there were some fumbles that Brissett had them deep down in, in Bill's territory and they just couldn't uh, convert. So I, I thought he performed pretty well. It, it is kind Kind of ironic, though, that Buffalo's last two shutouts have come with Brissett playing the majority of the, the snaps at quarterback. Uh, so that obviously doesn't bode well for him. But the Dolphins aren't in a place right now where they're going to go away from Tua. It's his second year. They invested a high draft pick in him. And even with all the reports of their interest in Deshaun Watson, they're not going to go to Jacoby Brissett right now. But whenever Tua is healthy and he's back, if those struggles continue late into the year, it will be interesting to see what they do in terms of maybe giving Brissett an opportunity to play late in the year, whether they really have to go back to the drawing board in terms of drafting or 
uh, signing a, a quarterback in free agency. I just think that Brissett at the end of the day, although putting up no points, I thought he did manage a few drives pretty well uh, for this Miami Dolphins team. You know, I, I thought Jacoby Brissett came in and did everything that he can, could behind a really kind of discouraging offensive line. I think if you're Miami, you, you have problems up front, which is, you know, you you got a immobile quarterback into a kind of a slow processor. You got problems at quarterback. We got problems up front as well. So I think Jacoby Brissett is going to deal with a lot of those same issues. I think he has a lot of the same limitations that Tua has. But one guy in particular that I want to talk about, Ryan, before we get out of here is Starla Tulele because, you know, so much been, has been made about him. He hasn't played a real NFL football game, regular season football game. What's it? What will it have been? Maybe like, you know, 20 months by the time he ended up walking out there and playing today. He got 12 snaps in the preseason finale, injured the calf. Play today, and I thought that just his presence alone was enough. I thought I, I saw one play where he almost had a sack. I thought he was held on the play. I tweeted it. There was one play. I think Marcel tweeted the picture where it took three guys to block him. I mean, he is going to be, I think, that missing ingredient to what really unlocks this front. I mean, he's not Vita Vea. Like nobody's Vita Vea. But if you can have the poor man version, even if it's a really poor man's version, you saw what that could mean today. Yeah, listen, Latule was obviously in great shape this offseason. You saw a lot of videos of him. He, he looked like he was moving really well, and I thought he moved really well in this game. Uh, earlier in the drive where, where you thought he was held on, on one of the plays, he did actually draw a holding penalty. I want to say it was Robert Hunt that was, was called for it or flagged for it, but Latule w- was kind of uh, – Closing the gaps. He was really solid against the run. He had some pressures uh, on Brissett. I thought he looked really good for his first action in over 20 months. And listen, you know, last year, that was supposedly the, the big reason why they struggled in, in run support. They were missing Latula. They didn't have him in the opener and the Bills did a nice job shutting down Najee Harris. But today, same thing. They, they looked great shutting down Miles Gaskin and company. So the run defense looks really good. And this had been a weakness of this defense over the last few years. So if they can get that under control, the secondary and the linebackers can play the way that they have and this pass rush gets going. This can be a defense that can shut down both the run and the pass. And Latulale does factor into that. Even if he doesn't show up a lot on the stat sheet, uh, like we've mentioned, some players, they, they just don't, they, but they make impact plays in other ways. That's what he did today. All right, your big takeaway to Sarah from today's game. My big takeaway from today's game, I think, is just that the defense played outstanding. Um, I think they're slowly becoming a top defense uh, in this league, and I really can't wait to see uh, sort of what we see from them in the coming weeks, and especially against Washington. Big takeaway here, uh, the, the young pass rushers really shine in week two. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do against Washington, uh, what they can do against Houston these next few weeks, because these guys are the future of the Buffalo Bills. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, both in contract years, both over the age of 30. It's going to be the AJ Epinesa and the Greg Rousseau show sooner rather than later. And today was a promising start of, of good things that could come. I hope everybody was paying attention to my uh, preseason training camp stock reports. Because I told you to buy all the Devin Singletary stock you could get. And I hope you got in while you could in all of your keeper leagues. I was t- I did three or four fantasy podcasts and people kept asking me, what, what are you thinking? Who's going to get the, the lion's share of the carries? Now, today was an example that there's going to be times when both of these players can get off. But I think the consistency with that we've seen now through the preseason and now the two games in the regular season, Devin Singletary looks like he's more than comfortable in the Buffalo backfield. Are you hosting a large party next weekend when the Bills host the Washington football team? Check out Topps' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasy foodball. We're out of here from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. I am Matt Perino. She is Sarah Holland. He is Ryan Talbot. We will see you this week. Two shows on tap. Don't miss them. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.